The Carolina Hurricanes season ended in brutal fashion, but that was par for the course in this Eastern Conference Finals against the Florida Panthers. We'll talk about this series and what's next for this franchise going into the offseason. Plus, David Hale, ESPN, will go back to Amelia Island, Florida, a week after the ACC schools met. They have a new revenue-sharing plan that's based on performance. Is that going to save the league? OG. 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 Golly. It is time that we do something new. Joe Ovius and Joe Gillian. But doing something new, I mean doing something old, but we're bringing it back so it's basically new. Here we go. Let's podcast alongside Joe Gillio. I'm Joe Ovius. And that's a wrap. Carolina Hurricanes getting swept out of the Eastern Conference Finals again. This is a losing streak <laughs> that goes over uh, 2009 and then 2019. And now this one, Joe. And while people can get focused on, oh, another sweep, we have to do X, Y, Z. I don't know about you, but given all the context around the Carolina Hurricanes and how this series ultimately played out, all one-goal games, last-minute dramatics from the Panthers, both in these overtimes and obviously with 4.5 seconds left in this game, it didn't feel like the the, the result does is not indicative of the actual series. And I'm going to put this, I'm going to put it out front right now, Joe. The 0-2 Stanley Cup against the Detroit Red Wings and what happened in, in, in the overtime at PNC Arena or the RBC Center at that time is still number one on the what if Carolina Hurricanes big board, right? Like what if the Canes win? How does that series change? I feel like this easily slots at number two on the what if big board. What if a shot didn't go off the post? What if you didn't have several key players whiff on open chances? What if Bobrovsky doesn't just go on this heater? What if Andrei Svechnikov, Max Pacioretty don't get hurt? There's a lot of what ifs in the series, and that's probably what makes this sting a hell of a lot more than what happened in 09 and what happened in 2019. Well, it's almost like stages of denial and grief, right? <laughs> uh, Ready gets hurt and you're like, well, heck, we still have the second best record in the NHL without this guy. We'll be okay. And then, you, but then, you know, in your own head, you're going, oh, that's not good. We got that guy for a reason, right? And then the injury to Sveshnikov, uh, you know, Svech, you and I know as the number two overall pick was that's a guy that they built around. That's a guy that you don't get a lot of players like that. You don't mm-hmm. get that skill set. It doesn't grow on trees. And for whatever reason, whether it's uh, Alex Ovechkin punching him, whether it's an ankle turned in the bubble, whether it's anything, any other number of injuries now this year with the uh, with the knee, you're going, we just want to see this guy healthy to know who he is in the playoffs. And out of five years, he's been healthy what? twice yeah and and, you know it's just so hard to sit here and go and one of those years was the contract year so he wasn't mentally healthy and so basically he's been healthy in one playoff run and that's it and you look at it and you go well what can the canes do to just know who they are and how can they get healthy and that's that's where you kind of go well this thing's over there's no patches there's no stretch um Gosh, what a great regular season. And then you, you, you and I had the same thoughts about, man, the, the Rangers. They don't want to play the Rangers. Well, turns out they didn't have to play the Rangers. They didn't have to, oh, right. Oh, man. You know, oh, they don't, they, you know, you and I thought they would do well against the Bruins. Turns out they didn't have to play the Bruins. But then you're in this playoff sense, and you're looking at it, you're going, 
Well, they beat the Islanders. They beat the Devils. And now here's this team, Florida, who is you're very evenly matched with. I thought last night was actually their best game of the series, in in all honesty. Yeah, and, um, and that's what Florida finally stupid, got a garbage man. goal. Fi- yep. Florida finally got a goal from somebody other than Kachuk or Barkov. Mm-hmm. Like they finally got a non Monet goal last night. And you're going, that's when I looked at it and go, they're in trouble. Yep. I, I knew they were in trouble when someone other than their dude scored. I actually thought it was a great sign. When uh, Kachuk had scored earlier in the game, I'm like, oh, he got his goal out of the way. (laughs) He's not going to score again. You know, (laughs) Declare's goal was amazing in the first minute of the game. But I'm sitting here going, you know what? They're going to be okay, Uh, particularly when they scored the third goal of the game. And that was the fight I was looking for from the Kings. That was the game I was looking for from Sebastian Ajo, by the way, last night. Played as he played, he he played as well as you can possibly play without Mm. scoring a goal. Um, yeah. the, the the setup to Chatfield was it the third period? That was the to me. I looked at that one and I go, uh oh, that was one you got to finish. You win the game, uh, and who knows what the heck happens after that? But uh, yeah. down two zero. Uh, we've talked all along about this resiliency. We've talked all along about the culture. And I tell you, Joe, in college football, a lot of programs wish and they use the word culture as if it exists, and it doesn't. It's a figment of their imagination. <laughs> With the Carolina Hurricanes, it, it's a real thing. And you saw it on full display last night in the most desperate of moments. And, and I tip my cap to the Hurricanes in the way that they played last night. Unfortunately for them, Kachuk was too good. Unfortunately for them, Bobrovsky earlier in the series, Bobrovsky was very pedestrian last night. But earlier in the series, he played out of his skull. And, and you know, you add it all up and here they are. And yes, yeah, swept in the Eastern Conference Finals. But don't. I mean, yeah, I was going to say that's just, that's you're, just you're getting, getting into the gambling world a little bit there, Joe, with that stat. Like, what does 2009 have to do with anything with this group? You know, and then well, it, do, well, it doesn't. Team in 19 it, it, was like off the charts. So it's like it doesn't. Eh. It doesn't. That's the thing. Although the only relation to this series versus what we saw in 2009 and really when you go back to 20 uh, to 2002 is the head coach of the hurricane hurricanes at that time. Paul Maurice. All right. You know, Paul Maurice, is, we, we talked about this earlier where sometimes you have to leave the Canes organization to kind of get that respect because the Canes are occupying this really weird world. Maurice has elevated himself into one of the smartest and most respected coaches in the NHL, but he thrives off of that underdog mentality. They were underdogs in 02, they were underdogs in 09, and here they are underdogs again, shocking the Boston Bruins to start and then beating the second best team in the NHL there in florida last night so there are some and and i and that's where not to get too caught up in the symbolism of all these things but that's why i called this series the most appropriate series for the 25th anniversary of the carolina hurricanes because who was one of the guys that helped stick the dagger to the carolina hurricanes on a real heads up play late in the game on a fourth line goal eric Stahl, right so there there was all sorts of little nuances to this series that made it really interesting from the Canes historical perspective, and it helps you put into perspective just how special this postseason run has been for, for the Florida Panthers. And that's ultimately what makes sports stupid. It makes hockey stupid. You could be, and I got so many Hey Joe questions about this last night, and we'll get to them a little bit later on in the show, where it's like, how can a team beat the brakes off another team in the course of regulation and still find a way to lose? And I'm like, because hockey's dumb. I mean, just look at the sequence that required to take place for that first goal. Like, not only did it go off the post, it had to bounce off Bobrovsky's back. Then you had to have somebody there. Fast had to be there right in the nick of time. 
And there's some fair criticism that we can get to here in just a little bit. But here's Rod Brittamore, head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, his opening statement after they got beat in the Eastern Conference Finals last night. Just really proud of the group, how hard they worked. And, you know, I deserved a better fate, I think so, to be quite honest. But um, just kept, just like, like we said, you asked me how we were going to respond to this game. It's exactly what happened. You know, guys went down, we're losing our best players. And we, were, we just kept playing. And from the seat I had, that was a pretty good game. Pretty impressive effort. It's the way we've been all year, and in these four games, it's a tough way to end it. Um, like that, you know, uh, that's that's going to be tough for sure. But I'm just proud of what we what we we built here and the guys that we have in there. That's right. Brennan Moore, after the game, he continued uh, with the aspect of being swept, but it not quite really being indicative of what we saw in this series. So that, that's the unfortunate part of this is he's going to look back and everyone's going to say you got swept. That's not what happened. I watched the game. I'm there. I'm cutting the game. We're, we're in the game. We didn't get – we didn't lose four games. We, we got beat, but it's – you know, we were right there and this could have went the other way and this could have been four games the other way. And tonight – you know, the way it ended is tough. Getting a penalty like that, that's tough. You know, especially what was let go. And then you come oh, that's, that's going that's gonna to sting. But not to take anything away from the other team, is they played hard. But, uh, you know, I think we take, took a huge steps this year. Um, you know, coming this far, like I said, with what we were, were missing, is pretty, pretty impressive. That's right, Brendan Moore, after the game. And I, and I kind of echo that. I, I kind of bounce off this with uh, one of the guys that I follow on Twitter, one of the Canes guys that I follow on Twitter. Uh, Chris, if you told if, if I told you when Svechnikov went down that the Canes would still make the East final, would you have believed me? And, and I responded, Joe, like, that's the thing. Been saying getting the Eastern Conference finals was the goal, and then you go from there, that they did it without guys, like key guys, is really impressive, but it also still leaves you open to some criticism about this, about this team. And and before they tied it up, I did tweet out that as frustrating as the Carolina hurricanes can be to play. And we talked about this with Greg Wyshynski. And we've talked about it with other uh, hockey, hockey folks that the Canes, the Canes can be a pain in the ass, man. They really can. They frustrate you, but sometimes they get into modes that become frustrating to watch. And you can create all the shots you want. And we've talked about high danger chances all season long. But when you're just putting it in the gut of Bob or you're not really there in his face to finish, then that's where some of the fair criticism can come through. And, and moving it forward, Joe, you go from the what if to the what now. And they've got some decisions to make again this offseason. But it's not just about getting better for next season, Joe. It's also about what the future of this scru- this group is going to look like. Because there are some bills due, man. There are some yeah. contracts that will be up after next year. And I do not envy Don Waddell and Rod Brennamore and Tom Dundon and Eric Tulski for what they're going to have to try to piece together money-wise. Okay, let's let's take a half a step back before we get to the to the big picture. Yeah. Because I want I just want to hammer one point about the the resiliency. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to make a confession here because when when we talk about hockey, right? We we follow the Canes. You and I, we follow the Canes. We, you know, yeah, yeah. Adam Gold, our our <laughs> former colleague, like he is like seriously. Adam Gold, Luke Tacock, Corey Laviolette, like they they not only follow the Canes, they they understand hockey like on a on a yeah. daily you know granular basis. You and I are more of a 
we have the historical perspective and we have an understanding of where the canes kind of fit into an ecosystem. Okay. So by no means am I trying to pass myself off as some sort of NHL expert, but I do feel like you and I have a firm grip on, on what the canes are and where they kind of fit in, not only in the triangle, but in the NHL. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about their culture, this is real quick. I just want to hit this because, and you talked about historical perspective and how this was the 25th anniversary. Jacob Slavin getting knocked out of that game, getting a concussion in real time before his before he even hit the boards and then hit the ice was straight out of the Scott Stevens 0102 playoffs. 02. Okay. Yeah, 02. Okay. Well, 01 is when everyone got hurt. So yeah. that was and Shane Willis could probably speak better to this than than either one of us can. And at the time I remember everyone saying, Oh, that those were clean hits. Those were clean hits. And I, I just kept thinking to myself, what the hell place does, does that even have in hockey in, in 01? And I'm looking at that hit last night, and the guy clearly lines him up from however many strides away. And, yeah. and you know, Gretzky, that's a clean hit. That's the greatest hit I've seen in the history of the playoffs. Okay, 99, <laughs> cool. Um, I get it, man. I get it. You're, you're pumped. He, you know, the Barkov goal was the greatest goal you've ever seen. Now that's the greatest hit you've ever seen. <laughs> Do you watch hockey? I'm confused. Uh, I don't know I'm taking shots at Gretzky right now, but I'm feeling good. Okay. You, you missed 100% me, of the shots on Gretzky you don't take, Joe. Mike there Scott. you go. But the hit to me, while yes, uh, did, I don't think he intentionally went for Slavin's head. There's no doubt that he was concussed and the hit was to his head. And it was bizarre to me that somehow the Hurricanes end up on a penalty after that hit in the year 2023 of our Lord. Now, losing Slavin, okay, in the first what was it, three minutes, four minutes of the game? Yeah. We talk, our problem for us, for me, I'll, I'll just say for me, we talk about offense. We talk about goalies. We never talk about defense. The truth of the matter is the Canes have, the reason the Canes have made the run that they had, the reason the Canes have had the culture that they had, the reason the Canes have had the success that they've had in these last five years is because of the decisions that were made when Ron Francis was the general manager and the players that they have on the core of their defense. Jacob Slavin is one of the three best defenders in the NHL. In my opinion, the Hurricanes have the best defensive unit in the NHL. But they don't have a spectacular goalie, so they're not talked about in the same way that other groups are talked about. They don't have mm -hmm. a Norris Trophy winner, so they're not talked about. Well, they do now, but Burns was a million years ago at San Jose. So they're not talked about in the same way that other groups are talked about. But the truth of the matter is the true strength of the Canes is their defense and their top-end defensemen. And to lose Slavin the way that they did, to get him cold-cocked, knocked out on his feet before his before he hit the ground, and then to see him stumble off the ice, was truly a throwback to a, a yesteryear of hockey. And it was also another testament to the Canes. And you heard Kachuk, who was mic'd up for this game, continuously say during the game, they got five defensemen, they got five defensemen, yep. they got five yep. defensemen, keep making them work, keep making them work. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I, to me, and maybe I'm soft that I don't like that a guy got, you know, knocked out on a relatively clean hit, that a guy gets knocked out and all of a mm -hmm. sudden it's become, you know, oh, well, we knocked out their best player. You know, it's like, just play the game. And to me, that's not. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm slightly. I know where you're coming from. I, I see. I think there's a difference between what Kachuk was saying, which becomes it, it's a factor in the game, you know. Yeah, it's a factor strategy. You're right. You're right. The strategy at that point. And that's, you know, sometimes we are reminded that these guys want to win and they're going to take anything given to them 
and 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 go after it. All right. I had more of a problem. But you with PK take Slavin out of the equation, Joe. You take Slavin yeah. out of the equation in the first two minutes or whatever it was right. in that game. It, Give it me becomes a, a factor in the game. Like, so I have zero issue with <laughs> what, what Chuck said. I, I have more of an issue with PK Subban, who is like, oh, oh the here's tweet. a guy who's concussed. Like he's yeah. legitimately concussed. We don't. Really? We know what we know so about style. This is not something you can just easily come back from because there's any number of hockey players. Let's take let's take football out of the equation because I think that's another distinction here where we the the NFL we're going to get to the NFL here in a second. The NFL has trained us to watch hits a certain way now because of helmet to helmet contact. And the NFL mm-hmm. has tried to legislate those things out. We watch plenty of college football and we get obsessed with what is targeting and what is not targeting. And officials are instructed to assume it's targeting and then work backwards. And we're kind of trained that way too. But in the NHL, it doesn't work that way. You see an incidental helmet-to-helmet hit. It's not an automatic thing that ends up taking place. It just ends up being incidental. And hockey people will tell you that was a great hit. And yeah, he was knocked out before he even hit the boards and the ice. But I have more of a problem with like P.K. Subban glorifying like once you know that Slavin is out and you have and you know the history of hockey players who can never come back from hits like that because the next one's going to be worse. Do I have yeah. to bring up Eric Lindros? Right. And any number of other players, the Sidney Crosby concussion issues that he's dealt with. Then at that point, you, you, and, as, and the Canes did it. You keep the tweet in the draft. bro. Come on, dude. Like, come on. Like, at that point, if you know what the result is, you might want to save that one. If Slavin ends up being fine and he's still playing the game, okay, then fine. Then you put that tweet out there. You talk about how dude got dusted, and you move on with your life. But knowing what we knew about that didn't make a lot of sense. All right, let's get through some Kane's roster stuff because, Joe, the bill has come due. So let's start with what are you doing net? My favorite topic, Joe. (laughs) <laughs> Andres, you, you got uh, you got Freddie Anderson and Auntie Ranta. They are unrestricted free agents after this year. I can't imagine. I know Luke DeCock wrote about this going into the game that we probably saw Freddie Anderson for the last time for a couple of reasons. One, he's going to be super expensive. And you got Peter Kochekov locked in for the next few years at $2 million a year. Ranta, I can envision coming back because Ranta, as we've always discussed, is a dude who understands his role to the fullest. So Kochekov's got four more years at two mil. He is the future. You and I have talked about him being the future. At some point, you are going to have to hand the reins over to Peter Kochekov. I think we're in agreement on that. We are, right? Like, it's every Russian goalie. The Russian goalie roulette has knocked them out now. So you get your own. So they went and got their own in Kochekov, who's 23. You mentioned the uh, team-friendly deal at $2 million over the next three years. And then Rontas, Freddie's 33. Freddie acquitted himself beautifully in these playoffs. Again, we talked about wouldn't it be awesome to see if the Canes would ever be healthy? Last year, they didn't have Anderson. This year, they do. So, you know, I I just look at this and I go, you're right. Anderson's probably priced himself into another decent three- or four-year contract, even at 33, because goalies can can have that type of shelf life. And I think you sign Ranta to, uh, I don't see him having any problems being a back off to Kachekov. And and being a backup now in 2023 in the NHL is not like it was when Archer's Urbe was starting, you know, 68 no. of the 82 games. It's 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 not that's not what it looks like anymore. Play play me or trade me. Never forget Urbe wanted to play badly. So so uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I don't see Anderson coming back at at four. I mean, he's making four and a half million right now. I don't see that happening. Eric's or Eric Stahl, Jordan Stahl, the captain. 
He's an unrestricted free agent this year. He's making $6 million at age 34. Before we hit record on this podcast, I think you and I are both like, Stahl's 34? <laughs> dude's, dude's been a workhorse for a really, really long time, and he's part of that culture that we talked about with the Carolina Hurricanes. At $6 million, that's going to be some tough decisions to make, some tough uh, some tough conversations to have. So the future of Jordan Stahl is up in the air. Uh, but then we get to, I think, the more critical portion of the conversation for the Carolina Hurricanes and, and what they do going forward. They're going to be entering the last year of contracts for Sebastian Ajo, who's making $8.46 million. Tevu Teravainen, Turbo's making $5.4 million. Marty Natchez goes into a restricted free agent uh, year. He goes into re- restricted free agency after making $3 million this upcoming season. Jordan Martinook, again, one of these guys who's kind of like the heart and soul of this team. He's making one8 He's entering the last year of his contract. And then the then the most fascinating one, Seth Jarvis, coming out of an entry-level contract. He's making just under a million dollars right now. I would imagine that you view Jarvis as another key piece of this core young group going forward. And then we can get into what about Ghost of Spare, right? Somebody who they acquired at the trade deadline. I think they like his game. You know, do do they want to bring him back? Max Pacioretty, who played five freaking games for this team and was thought to be this offseason acquisition to give them that scoring option, you never really got to experience him. Do you try to make it a go with him and bring him back next year, depending on that deal? So there's a lot of questions that have to be answered. There's also some decisions to make on the defensive end, even though you still do have your core group in Jacob Slavin, and obviously you brought Brent Burns on. But yeah, it's unlike previous offseasons the last five years, Joe, this one really is critical and could really start to shape the next window for the Carolina Hurricanes. I know Tom Dundon told us that he expects this window to be a lot longer open than people anticipated, but you're going to have to do it with making some really hard decisions going forward. Yeah, and this is the last year for this group, right? Because then you look at, the on the defensive side, Brett Pesci is the one who's going to be in for the, for the big raise next yeah. year at only 28 years old. And that's, you know, I talked about the guys that they had locked up. Pesci and Slavin were the two guys that they wisely had locked up and now the question is, what 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 do you do with Fast and Stahl, who obviously have a chemistry, play well together, and mm-hmm. and what do you, what they're probably Stahl you get at a discounted rate at this point in his career from the six mil. Fast is at thirty one years old is after a pretty good year is going to look at that and go, I could probably get a um, why can't I think of the give me fuel, give me fire, give me Nino Nita Rider. Like he's probably looking right. at that type of deal going, oh, I can go sign with somebody and make more money than I can with the Canes, right? Because those yeah. are, those marginalized kind of pieces are the ones that the Canes look at and go, you're not part of a core. The real rubber meets the road next year when they decide who is the core, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. next year is when you have to reevaluate Ajo. Next year is when you have to reevaluate Taravani. Teravainen is 28 years old. That doesn't even seem possible. Like Jordan Stahl is not even the oldest player for his age on the roster. Teravainen at 28, you're going. If you would have told me he was 28, I would, I would have lost would all the money you. that I could I, possibly wager yeah, on. I, that he's yeah, I would not. I would not have been able to do that. No, <laughs> I would not have been able to do that. Housekeeping. All right, uh, I feel we should start housekeeping with uh, corrections, apologies, and whatnot. Uh, shout out to LK, who I, I, she corrected me on Muscadine. I keep saying Muscadine. It's Muscadine. When well, we were drinking that song where they rhyme Muscadine and wine. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, so she, she corrected me. 
She corrected okay. me, and then I still screwed it up. And knowing that LK is from Kinston, she does have Eastern North Carolina cred that she has to hold on to. So apologies. That was on me, not on her. And other people have also reached out to me to be like, dude, you, you mispronounced Muscadine. It's Muscadine, not Muscadine. I keep saying Muscadine. My bad. Uh, so that'll never happen again. Just like I'm never going to drink that one again. I dumped it out last night uh, after taking a few, uh, a few so sips. Bad. If things sound a little bit different today, it's because... I finally upgraded Joe Giglio's microphone. Let's go. I mean, we got we got better mics coming on down the line. You know, as we talked about with this podcast experience, uh, we're going to be as fully transparent as possible. You know, I'm using this fancy Rode USB mic that's got all sorts of software that can manipulate things. Uh, Joe's mic was a little tinny, but went ahead and put that in there. And now you sound much better today, Joe. And we're going to sound even better when we finally get into a studio space at some point this summer. Yeah, you like your mic? Close. Do you close. like your and mic? Reason we can get there is, uh, I I do. Yeah. Okay. I, because I, the exchange I got my headphones on too, so I feel good about awesome, that. Awesome. Awesome. The exchange actually happened yesterday at Oak City Sports Cards in downtown Raleigh. I uh, went out to the space yesterday, so I got to I got to see you in your element yesterday as you opened up a two hundred dollar <laughs> pack of cards looking for that Victor Wembanyama autograph. You did not. Spoiler alert: you didn't find it, but we'll put that video out there. Uh, but uh, finally got to meet Weston, check out the space. It's a really cool spot. I was really geek. It's not just baseball cards, football cards, basketball cards. Dude, they had garbage pail kids cards. I hadn't seen those in ages. I was so excited. Did you go up into the attic yet? I have not. I have not. I have to go to my parents. I'll probably go to my parents later today or tomorrow. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't he say that Adam Bomb was a five-figure card? Yes. I was <laughs> shocked by that. So I'm going to have to go and try to find it. My dad's probably got it somewhere. But anyway, go get your stuff graded. I'd be curious if I can find it, what he would grade my Garbage Pail Kids uh, cards. Yeah, that, that's the key. You never know. You might have some old Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back cards, too. I do. You never know. I do. Weston can uh, evaluate them for you. You could buy, sell, trade with him. But also, he can help you get your cards graded. That's how you get maximum value for your cards. OakCityCards.com. And yeah, go check them out. Downtown Raleigh there. They're parallel to uh, Glenwood. Great spot uh, in downtown. And uh, if I end up finding those cards and my dad wants to claim that they're actually his because they bought them for me, I'm going to go, I'm going to holler at Whitaker and Hamer and be like, hey, I need you to represent me so I get these cards back from my dad. They could do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you're starting a business, selling a business, family law, you know, maybe yeah. more divorce or custody cases. But if, if there's some, some custody cases, there, my that, garbage pail kid custody cards, of, the, of the cards. Yeah. Real estate closings. If you're buying a house. Uh, Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer, they got 20 years of experience. They got offices in Raleigh, Fuquay, Verena, Moorhead, Sydney, Clayton, and of course, all of the G's, Garner, Gastonia, and Goldsboro. Check out Josh and Joe online at wh.lawyer. Move on. Are moving on and bringing on David Hale. ESPN covers college ACC extravaganzas. Are you covered in Himalayan sea salt at this point? Did you bring a bunch of stuff back from? Uh, <laughs> I just filled up my suitcase with the sea salt. Yeah, wait, I'm not ready to move on from garbage pail kids. Uh, what was your favorite garbage pail kid? I was a I love Greaser Greg slash Chris Is. That was my favorite one. I have to. So here's my here's the thing. I I rem, I remember having garbage pail kids. I remember enjoying them. I remember Mad Magazine making fun of them all the time because my dad yeah. subscribed to Mad Magazine. He still does, actually. Um, but off the top of my head, I can't remember the names of them. So I'm gonna have to, again, I'm gonna have to go in the attic, 
I don't know. Now that we can do whatever we want on this podcast thing, David, uh, maybe we just do like a live unboxing of my old garbage pail kids and go from there. Right? That's gonna be that's gonna be a ratings bonanza when that happens. Uh, you know, do you know that there is actually a garbage pail kids movie that came out in like the late eighties, mid to late eighties, uh, and they were like puppet garbage pail kids. It was like a Muppety type of thing. I have no recollection of like the plot of this movie, nor could I even fathom what the plot yeah, of this point. Kids movie could be. Yeah, what would it be? Uh, but maybe there's a show where you just like Mystery Science Theater 3000, the Garbage Pail Kids movie, while you're opening up uh, old packs of Garbage Pail. I don't want to overproduce your show. You got, you got, you guys have plenty of ideas. You don't need mine. But that's something. No, maybe we, to pick no, no, no. We take, we take all the ideas now. We don't know what the hell we're doing, man. <laughs> I'm like outside my little radio bubble. We're figuring it out. As we go along, David Hale, ESPN, hanging out with us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Get off of Keister, get to Heaster. So um, speaking of Mystery Science Theater 3000, I, I kind of wanted you and Andrea Adelson to do that while these <laughs> AD meetings were taking place. You know, like they don't need to know that you're there. We just get a camera fixated on. So who told Brett McMurphy to call it the Magnificent Seven, and then you and Andrea can just make you know some commentary while all these things are going on. That had to be a surreal experience. Before we get into the news of the ACC, I wanted to go back to last week because there's all this dumpster fire on social media, and Amelia Island, they had to be consuming this in a completely different way, right? It was such a surreal thing to sort of watch play out in real time, like – I went, I went. I had lunch with Andrea on uh, Monday when we got there, and Michael Alford sitting at the table, like two tables away. And I see Brett McMurphy come and sit down with Michael Alford. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going to come from this. And then you just see it come out on on Twitter, and then you see like the AEs walking around with their phones. Then you kind of hear some yelling going on in the room, and it's just like it, it was like a, a one of those like mousetrap uh, games where it's just like you see like one thing set off the next thing that set off the next thing <laughs> in real time it was ridiculous look i, I and I, i'm not here to i'm not critiquing mcmurphy's journalistic standards or whatever he made up the magnificent seven name yes. pulled it out of his ass and puts it out there and suddenly people are acting as if uh you know <laughs> Dan Radakovich was like sending out a text invite, like Magnificent Seven, welcome to the, you get a member, here's your membership part of the smoking jacket. Uh, it was a thing. <laughs> you know, none of this, it's funny because every single person that I talked to there was essentially like, this isn't news. We all knew this was going on. Like, thank we, you. It's you know, not and news. Yet, and yet, they're all furious at each other about this non-news, and it was so like, like how you can't be both uh, utterly unsurprised and also outraged at the same time. I don't understand how that was happening, but no, it was not news. Uh, like, have have schools looked at the grant of rights? Hell yes, they have. They'd be stupid not to. Are uh, multiple schools getting together and talking about what the future might look like? Hell yes. And I got news for you. It ain't really seven. They probably had a conversation with seven. There's four schools, as we all know, who actually are in a position to uh, have a landing spot if they find a way out and that would really financially benefit from getting out. But at this point, if they ain't leaving, nobody else is leaving yet. And I think it's just, it's, it's infuriating to keep having these conversations about schools bailing 
And it's all starts from like this idea that like nobody freaking understands how a contract works or something. I, I don't, it's, it's mind boggling. David Hale, ESPN, joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. I just want to explore this concept a little bit that it's not news because uh, you've talked to a lot of the same people that I've talked to and at the AD level. And they all say the same thing about there's been real discontent and a disconnect between the schools in terms of, hey, what are you doing to kind of carry your own weight? Like, Because the old ACC, quite frankly, was, you know, it was the three musketeers, all for one, one for all. That was the, that was the hallmark of, of the eight-team league was everybody got an equal share. And I think so much of the leadership of the league has changed. It's interesting that off the top of your head you mentioned Radakovich. Because to me, he, he feels like the one who's really in a position to kind of be the next leader, even if it, even if Phillips is the commissioner. It feels like to me, Radakovich, from all of his different stops, might have the true sway to kind of galvanize a little bit. Because that's, that's what – I feel like there's a power vacuum, David, don't you? I, I don't think that's wrong. And, in fact, the way that last week played out really, I think, underscores that because – what Michael Alford did, whether you approve of it or not, was lob a bomb into a room that lacked a, a cohesive narrative and created the narrative around the disruption. And, I, you know, I think you, you have uh, – we talk about the four schools, which I, if you are not wise enough to have figured this out on your own, which anyone could. It's Miami, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina. And you look at those four ADs. Well – Michael Alford is the, uh, the the bomb thrower. I mean, that, that's the guy who is front and center on the front lines saying all the things that no one else wants to say publicly. Yeah. And I think everybody else is thrilled to have him take that heat. And he's mm-hmm. thrilled to do it. Then you have Bubba, who is I, I, sort of the... I don't think any of this makes Bubba happy. I don't think he wants to be doing any of this. I think he is reluctantly aware of reality. Uh, but I don't think this is like... This is not the, the, the rabbit hole he wants to climb down. So there's a, a, this sort of reluctant acceptance there. And then you have Dan uh, and Graham. And Graham, of course, came up under Dan at Clemson. And so I think there's a natural like flow of like, okay, let's see what Dan has to say about this. And you're exactly right. I mean, I think he is the one who both – he worked at Georgia Tech, so he understands sort of the – the real budget constraints of some of the smaller schools. He worked at Clemson and he understands what it takes to win at the highest level. He's been in the league for forever. I think he has the respect of the people there. And frankly, I think he knows he's not going to be around 10 years from now still doing this. And so he sort of has the freedom to say, give a goddamn about what you think. I'm going to do what we need to do here. Say what needs to be said. So yeah, I think you're right. And look, I don't, I've not talked to anybody who wants to explicitly frame this as a Jim Phillips failure by any stretch of the imagination. I, most people seem to be Jim Phillips fans, but the criticism is it's a little, at least publicly, to tell you what you want to hear, but be kind of Pollyanna-ish about the whole thing and not accepting or embracing what the reality of the situation is. It's sort of yeah. trying to put a lot of lip- lipstick on pigs. And and I think that- He's so also that, new to the room, David. You know he's what I mean? New, yeah, like, new to the room. He's new to the not only is he new to the room, but it's kind of like when we get on Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, and people are like, oh, he, no, he works for the owners. That's why he gets paid the money he gets paid. He's kind of a meat shield for the owners. And in a way, Jim Phillips, and to a certain extent before that, John Swafford, 
ultimately was the behest of what the presidents want at the presidential level. And there, and all Jim Phillips is working with, may I remind everybody, Jim Phillips is working with a grant of rights deal that everybody showed up in Chapel Hill and celebrated when it finally got knocked out. Including that, Dan Radakovich and Buzz Cunningham. Gonna, this, this, that, that grant of rights was keeping the league strong for a very long time with a wonderful partner, your employer, David, ESPN. It's a 50-50 proposition. The network is coming. We are good to go. And then all of a sudden, it's no longer good enough because we're getting caught up in what these other conferences are doing, which gets us to the real heart of the issue. And I guess as you put it on a Twitter thread the other day, you're putting Band-Aids on bullet holes here, bullet wounds, that, okay, you're going to change the revenue structure for a more of a eat-what-you-kill model. So if you're successful, it's, it's not lost on me that this model goes into effect when the college football playoff expands, that, all right, you make it to the college football playoff, you go further in the NCAA tournament, you get more of the money. And that's going to be you get more of the money. That's kind of a nice bump, but it does cut to the heart of the real issue here for the ACC. All these things were occurring when your tent pole teams were not holding up their end of the bargain. Michael Alford can bang the table all day about how we're XYZ and we get television ratings and yada, yada, yada. But it doesn't mean squat if you're not competing and they hadn't competed for 10 freaking years. So some of this, the onus is on the schools. They're the ones who are culpable in this because they haven't been holding up their end of the bargain. What's Jim Phillips supposed to do? Score touchdowns for you? Because that's ultimately what's needed. No, I think you're absolutely spot on with this. I don't know how much worse off or better off the ACC would be if the um, success on the field by Florida State or Miami or Virginia Tech had been different over the last decade. Um, you know, some of this stuff was sort of etched in stone before that. But, I mean, you look at um, sort of the run-up to the twenty early 2010s expansions and realignments, and the ACC was at an absolute nadir at that point of just terrible football, the end of the Bowden era, pre-Dabo era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul Johnson was the one leading the charge for the ACC, and that's much as I love Paul, not a ratings winner. Uh, and then, you know, you get to this point where you you come off of the Clemson championship in 2018. Florida State is – there's still this idea, like, maybe they'll get bad. Like, you, I don't think anybody quite at that point realized how bad things were. And there was some enthusiasm. Then you go into COVID. You get the realignment happening with Texas and Oklahoma. You get the realignment happening with the Big Ten. You get the new TV deals. All this is happening at a time in which there's questions at Clemson. I'm not saying Clemson's – window is closed but there's questions there that weren't there before florida state is only upswing it seems like but still not there we don't i mean it's funny it's funny to talk about how success initiatives might help florida state when they have not had success and then you know carolina has been the this quote-unquote sleeping giant for all of our lifetimes basically and uh, miami you know there's the kids being recruited today were not alive the last time miami was no. a truly relevant football program you bring up florida how, state you bring up florida reality. state you bring up florida state and how they can go forward i mean i'm thinking 2017 miami you know where oh miami's back they're going to keep this thing rolling how'd that work out for the hurricanes after they got smoked by clemson in the acc championship game florida state might find themselves in the same situation where oh we're bumping up and then wheels fall off I I like Mike Norvell. I like what they're building there. Sure. I do think they're trying to do things the right way. I tend to 
if if you ask me which one do I which direction do I think Florida State's going, I think they're going to be in a better place moving forward. Um, they've they're but you know this is a, again a conversation that I have had with. Uh, at least one AD from the quote unquote non magnificent seven or the insignificant seven uh, <laughs> is like, you know, Florida, look at Florida State, not just from a wins and losses perspective, but financially, I mean, they were in a m- m- enormous hole, maybe as big a hole as anyone in the ACC coming into to all of this. Mm-hmm. So the revenue disparity is not just like, oh, look what Florida is going to make compared to us. It's that we were already trying to, uh, you know, dig ourselves out of a, a tremendous hole before all of this. And and again, to Michael Alford's credit, he's done a very good job of trying to address the obvious problems there. But, you know, there, there's a lot of ACC schools playing catch up already. And as they're trying to catch up, they're just, the other leagues are falling or are pulling away. Does, does Nora need something, Joe? Uh, you you're, you muted your mic, by the way. You muted your mic. Tell your mom I said hi. This is the beauty of I doing will. these podcasts from home. <laughs> I, love, I love it. Well, I don't have got, any dogs. I, got, I, see, I saw so, Lou. Oh, this, I saw this Lou. This is the, the alternative. Get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her both here. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, oh, but I actually had a question for David Hale here before we before the uh, before all of the action here. Um, you said those four schools have an alternative. Do you realistically think? The SEC is an alternative for Florida State because I do not. Yeah, I don't. Um, and I, I, frankly, I'm not sure Florida State wants that alternative okay. even. Like, I, and this is I. So we're talking about I the Big Ten, to, right? Yeah, I mean, it's funny okay. because I talked to ads, and I'm like, if you had to choose SEC or Big Ten, what would you want? And almost to a man, the ads that I've talked to will say, "Well, I think our fans want the SEC, and I want the Big Ten. Uh, and yeah. I think you can read between the lines on exactly why that is. Um, you know, we're, for all the money that the Big Ten gets, that ain't the same level of football as what's being played in the SEC. And, you David know, I, to, us. To, to, to tag on to that, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. This we are, we already have moms walking in the background. Nobody, there's no, no rules. I mean, Sarah City uh, had her cat Rangoon walk across the uh, camera yesterday. <laughs> So it's all good. But I think that as we, one of the things I'll be very interested in is let's say the ACC doesn't blow up for three more years or so. What, how are these conversations any different if USC goes to the Big Ten and starts getting smoked on a regular basis and Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC and they're finishing six and six every year? Is the, is no. the desire to leave a league where you can go 10 and two or 11 and one, does it change? At all, I don't. I think at the end no. of the day, money always drives everything. But I do think like there's going to have to be a serious uh, uh, perspective adjustment on what it means to go seven and five in the SEC. Uh, isn't that the ACC's biggest ace right now? I, yeah, I know Joe absolutely. is disagreeing because of money, but that feels like the ACC's only ace in the hole right now. Was it not the Big 12's ace in the hole? <laughs> well, that wasn't helping well, Texas just, at all anyway. But still, no, but, well, and that's the No, but this is important, it, Joe. Okay. Because Texas and Oklahoma are already two of the, what, five richest programs in football. So they weren't yes. necessarily motivated by money. They are motivated. They're, they are currently motivated by prestige. I think David's right, though. If the, Oklahoma in particular, remember, has been a regular participant in the playoff. If they get to the SEC, even in an expanded 12-team field, now, ch- chances are they probably are going to be there if they have the right yeah. coach. 
I'm not convinced they have the right coach, but we'll mm-hmm. see what happens with Oklahoma. But to me, that's the ACC's biggest uh, pull, and their only ace right now with Clemson, Florida State, and maybe even Miami to say, oh, cool, you want to go get your brains beat in in another conference? That's awesome, but I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to play in the playoff every single year. That's an AD talking. Presidents want – schools want money. That's ultimately what universities want. They want money. And that's gonna that's gonna drive their decisions going forward. David, I think it was your tweet thread where it's like, even if there was the magnificent, let's say the magnificent seven was a real thing, right? Like it actually was. You had this cabal that was all trying to really get out of the grant of rights. What makes you think that one of those sevens wouldn't find a better deal for themselves and bounce, right? Like it's not the, these schools act on their own. Ultimately, their interests are the things that are going to supersede it. What if you really wanted to get interesting here, Florida State, and we'll close on this, and David Hale joining us on the History Automotive Group Hotline from ESPN. Florida State, that's that's easy. They can do whatever the hell they want. Clemson can do whatever the hell they want. Miami, they can do whatever the hell they want. North Carolina can't, all right? North Carolina can't. And I know that people pointed out, well, Texas A&M was able to leave Texas behind. Of course, you saw how that worked out. But all politics is local. And I kind of get the sense that and Joe and I have referenced this. If you're an NC State fan, you want to make sure that relationship between Bubba Cunningham and Boo Corrigan is super Loctite, like your, your Skull and Bones Club really comes through the Notre Dame uh, secret handshake, because North Carolina is going to have to come through with NC State in some form or fashion, wherever it is they go. Duke ends up being the most intriguing part of this because they have a brand that I think is valuable. But that's that's the thing where if you're part of this Magnificent Seven, David, and you're truly exploring things, there are some schools that cannot act on their own because they have other state issues that they have to consider. Virginia, Virginia, Tech's another example of this. Yeah, no, and this is, again, everybody who is on Twitter and thinks that they have the solution to the ACC's problem are freaking crazy because there is no easy solution here. If there was, it would have happened already. The grant of rights is not like a thing you just get to say, let me hire a good lawyer. We'll get out of it. It ain't that simple. Yeah. And finding a landing spot is not just like, well, we're Clemson. Of course, we'll go to the SEC. Like, it ain't that simple. And again, the politics that goes into all of this. I mean, Baylor is in the Big 12 because the governor of Texas at the time that the Big 12 was formed was a Big 12 graduate. And they said, you have to take Baylor or we're not going to get behind this. Um, like these things happen, and they're all part of the, the this giant web of complications. That uh, look again, I, you can criticize or praise Jim Phillips. You can criticize or praise Michael Alfred and all the others. Like I don't want to be in their shoes because there is no easy solution here. David Hale, ESPN, check him out on Twitter. Great work as always. In play with Andrea Adelson, and we'll we'll see at ACC kickoff. Maybe. Uh... Maybe I'll bring a garbage pail kid set that we can we can live unbox. This would be, I think, this will be a great idea. Well, uh, me, you guys, and Drake May will sit down and open up garbage pail kids, and Drake will just sit there and uh, ask how old we all are because yeah, uh, it will be very confusing and frightening to him. Well, let's see if Drake Drake is of a certain age. I know where we can get Drake. You think he was into Pokemon cards at some point in time? You think like oh, he yeah. and his you think he and his brothers fought over which got who got the old school fat <laughs> Pikachu? 
you know what? Honestly, they might even be too young for that. <laughs> that's that's the terrifying thing. I'm not sure if he. I mean, I'm sure he's. You know, like he's he's a child. He's a child. They're, that hurts. Hell, that hurts. Hell, you gotta remember too. I just looked through the checklist for the original Garbage Pail Kids series. This was the 80s. This was before, like, even the concept of politically correct was even interesting. Oh, no. Yeah. Some of them <laughs> one of them, bad. one of the cards I just saw was Drunk Ken. Drunken. Like, <laughs> Drunk children. Yes. That's a thing that we should give to other children. Hey, Drunk 80s were a different Ken? time, man. Uh, 80s were a different time. A, a better time, some might argue. I would agree with you on that. All right, David. Take it easy, man. We appreciate it as always. See you guys. <laughs> the Dale on the Easter Automotive Group hotline. Let's uh, let's 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 get some things here. Next topic, please. So maybe we uh, maybe we go to ACC kickoff and we start the debate with ACC coaches, New York Strip or Ribeye Joe. Maybe that's what we do. We uh, we bring some butcher's market out to Charlotte and we present the meat. I was like, all right. What would you take? Maybe that could be a bit because we're going to have to come up with some sort of bit in July, man. Yeah, um, I don't win many arguments with you, but I feel like I would definitely win that one. And I've already had my sources at the butcher's market tell me that I am correct when it comes to the right oh, really? state. Yes, okay. I have. Okay, uh, But go find out for yourself. Go get them both. They also have uh, their signature steak tips, which are amazing. Uh, six locations, Raleigh, Cary, Wake Forest, Holly Springs, and Wilmington. Don't forget, we are huge in Wilmington. Uh, all your tailgate and grilling needs, uh, holiday weekend. Go get yourself some of those signature steak tips and those mushroom caps. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Don't forget, they also make good. their own sausage and bacon. Check them out again. It's thebutchersmarkets.com. And shout out to the Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington. We talked to Jim Roberts, who heads that up. Uh, was it uh, last week, two weeks ago? What is time, Joe? Uh, it's been a whirlwind month. It's a flat uh, circle. All things. It really is. It's been a crazy, a crazy month, all things considered. But Wilmington, if you did not know this, recently ranked the number one startup ecosystem in the U.S., number two in the world, has the largest venture capital fund for tech in the South, and has three active angel investor networks right now. You can find out more if you kind of want to get your thing off the ground. River of Innovation is in Wilmington. It meets an ocean of possibilities. You can check them out online at newilm.com for more information. Again, that's newilm.com for more information. Speaking of um, of innovation, I mean, I think we all understand that streaming, as we're doing this now on YouTube and on podcasts, the internet has changed everything. And the NFL is tapping into that with their new television deals. And Amazon was the big first building block and what the NFL might look like in the future by taking all of that Thursday night package and putting it online. There's no simulcast on the NFL network or any of that stuff. And they recently announced that one of these playoff games is going to be behind a paywall. You got to remember the key thing about the NFL is that it's widely available for free. All right. Even that Amazon deal, there's ways to watch it. But now when you get to the playoffs, they're going to charge you, I think, like the five bucks to watch it on Peacock. You got to sign up for Peacock to watch this one playoff game. That's interesting. And to further solidify their foundation with this new technology, Joe, Roger Goodell finally pushed through what he wanted to, these late season Thursday night flexes. Used to be you'd flex out for Sunday night football out of the afternoon or the one o'clock. 
but now they're going to take uh, impactful games late in the season, take them out of that Sunday rotation, and move them to Thursday. This is not in-stadium fan-friendly, Joe. It's certainly TV-friendly, and it's pretty obvious that the NFL is trying to do the best they can to make their product even more in, in, uh, it, it, you know, enticing for the future of negotiations, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, et cetera, because that's who's got the money right now. Yeah, and and I can't have this conversation about Thursday night games without just being revolted and apologies for mixing and mashing my sports. But, man, looking at Slavin last night, it, it did look like he was in the fencer's pose there for, for a second after the hit. Yeah. Brought me back to Tunga Vailoa, the, the Thursday night game and Cincinnati. And this sport, these sports, they're so – they're brutal. You know, mm-hmm. and, and to think about the hits that they take and the money that they make, I get it. it it's huge money. And for broadcast television, it, it is not a stretch to say broadcast television only exists right now because of the NFL. No, it's not a stretch. You know, like it's not a they stretch. have to overpay. They have to over. You said free. They have to overpay for it because there would not they would no longer exist. I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. being hyperbolic about that. Yeah, because all the scripted um, programming is moved to Netflix, HBO, any number of uh, Peacock. I mean, M- Peacock is an NBC product, and they're putting shows and who, specifically and, on that streaming network that do not make it over the air because people just aren't watching TV shows over the air. Anymore. And who knows what news is anymore? Like, we don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're 48. <laughs> the people below us, no, seriously, the people below us will go to Twitter to figure out what is going on, or they'll go to Snapchat. Uh, right. My, I have a senior in high school. If something's going on at the school, lockdown you know a school shooting something like they go to they don't go to the news no. okay so it's TikTok, it's i, I Snapchat, understand the importance yeah i understand the importance of of the networks to say we're going to overpay for the nfl product in order to keep it free I, I i do wonder with the nfl and you and i had the same thought 20 years ago 25 years ago even maybe now mm-hmm. we thought the nfl would be the first mover uh, to OTT option, yeah, that they would be the HBO, which HBO tried and is now who the heck knows what the heck HBO is doing. Max. They don't call themselves it's HBO anymore. It's Max aye, aye, aye. now. It's Max. Like, guys, <laughs> you have a certain brand. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Yes. What? Yeah. what? I get, I get uh, it. HBO. You're H- not going to HBO. Apparently, HBO with us too. right now, but. Yeah, Holy HBO smokes. is too prestigious. It's no, no, no. We have to get away from the prestige of HBO. We, we, we have to get away from what everyone identifies as the number one brand <laughs> in in pay per per view. Right, my whole life there's been one cable right. channel that people pay for. Right. Um. But I, I, I always thought the NFL would go to. I guess what it is is the European soccer model, the English Premier League model. Like when you live in England, there's no such thing as turning on the BBC and watching the game. You have to pay. No. You can pay right? for weekends. I too. think I have it's that right. It's easier for yeah, us to watch right. English Premier League here. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. So I'm surprised the NFL didn't do that. But that's where you get, um, man, I shouldn't use those analogies. Uh, uh, patted on the back by these networks because they know without the NFL, they would be extinct. I, I kind of know where you're going with that. Now, I bring up the Thursday night flex <laughs> thing because the NFL is doing the classic NFL thing. Where they say something, but their actions would tell you otherwise. Oh, yeah. yeah. Player safety matters. Player safety, player safety, player safety, player safety, which gets us to uh, the news of the week where Roger Goodell finally got pushed through this new kickoff rule. 
uh, it looks like the, the, the kickoff is going the way of the Dodo. So they're going to do this on a trial basis. And I know Andy Reid made, made headlines by saying, you know, at the end of the day, we're just going to be playing flag football. Yeah, that's an extreme way of putting it. But essentially, the NFL looks at kickoffs as a way to cut down on concussions, a way to cut down on the traumatic events, the most violent of the, the most violent sequence of an already violent sport is the kickoff. All right. And we get to, you know, DeMar Hamlin and that discourse. The NFL will point out that 19 concussions occurred from kickoffs last year. So they're trying to get rid of this. But here's where I think it's a mistake. Ultimately, you cannot make football safe. I'm not saying you can't try to make football safe. And we've talked well, to no, they've North made Car- football safer. But you can't make it safe. You can Correct. try to come Relatively, up with better they've helmet. made it safer. Right. <laughs> so like Kevin Guskowitz, uh, who's a chancellor of North say, Carolina. Who's this was his idea. This. this was his number one idea for the NFL. To get through like the I, I feel like we got to talk to Kevin here. Uh, yeah. in the upcoming uh, in the upcoming days that we have now that we're in full summer content mode but I, I get I get the line of thinking but you do get to a point where you just have to be comfortable with what you're watching and some of the things that come with it and that is a violent sport can lead to some violent injuries and some pretty catastrophic events and the kickoff removing the kickoff I think is removing a key component of what makes football exciting. All right. Like, yes, DeMar Hamlin. Yes. The cardiac arrest, the unicorn event, but what happens when you eliminate the kickoffs and you don't have Naheem Hines in their next game, running it back. Like it's one of the most exciting plays in football. And you're going to take that out of the equation. I don't like it. I simply do not like it. And it's not from a, Oh, you're just turning it into flag football. No, you're taking away some of the big reasons why people love football in the first place. And a kickoff return is something that you cannot replicate in any other sport. It is wholly unique to football, and it's one of the most exciting things in the world. It's also one of the most gut-wrenching things in the world because I think of other kickoffs that have completely changed the tenor of games. I think of Devin Hester, Carter Finley Stadium, when Miami was in town for game day, and they completely silenced the building on that 100-whatever kickoff return. I hate it. I don't like this move. Okay, you, you also have the Saints-Colts in the Super Bowl, so we just gave yes. three probably exceptions to the rule. The The data is overwhelming that the sprinting down the field and colliding at full speed is the most dangerous play in the sport. Is it is it the most exciting play? It can be. Do I think it is? I, I do not think the kickoff is fundamental to the game, though. I don't. I, I like the proposal of it was fourth and 20 or fourth and 15 that if you convert it, it becomes the onside kick. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's a perfectly acceptable workaround for the onside kick. The kickoff itself. Yes. Uh, and the data is already, we've already seen the number of kickoff returns go down based on where they're kicking off from. So that you've already reduced the number of those plays anyway. You've already reduced the impact. And then you have uh, a man. I almost swore there. Then you have jerk faces like Bill Belichick who go, oh, you know, if we sky kick it, I could still get somebody's brain scrambled. Like, yeah, I won't do it. You're a jerk face. Okay. Yeah. That, that's yeah. you being a jerk face at that point. And that's why, because Guskowitz gave him all of this data. And then a jerk face like Belichick goes, yeah, but we could sky kick it now. 
I'm going to go get a lefty who could sky kick it. And it's like, why, why don't you use your powers for good? How about you yeah. win a football game without Tom Brady? How about you do something in your life without Tom Brady instead of inventing ways to get people concussed? Okay? Get me started with that. What's up next? What's up next? Doing a 919, 919 Vice podcast today, Joe. And our guest is going to be Adam. Uh, we're going to go to the breeze through there on Edwards Mill. And we're going to check out the Crowler machine. We're going to get, I'm going to actually drink some parking lot uh, gas station beers today with Adam Eshbaugh and Wayne Holt. You want to join us? I think we're going to get there around 1130 or so if you want to hang out with us and drink some gas station beers. Maybe get a gas station dog while we're at it. All right. So first of all, breeze through locally owned neighborhood store, 1200 Edwards Mill Road, right there across from the arena. All of your tailgate needs, ice, drinks, the the non-alcoholic kind as well. Unbelievable coffee. Go check them out. That's number one. Number two now, I need you to pronounce this again for me because I think you're saying Crowl? Crowler. Crowler. Like it's, growl, it's growler, growler, but with a C instead of a G. Crowler. Because it's in a can? Because it's in a can. It's 32 okay. ounces. 32 ounces. That seems kind of genius. How do you keep it? carbonated is there a whole well, because system they'll, they'll here put that the, i yeah, the whole little system they fill up the can they put the top on it, it keep it seals in the carbonation now once you crack that thing open game's over okay so, I mean, you, you better be drinking 32 ounces of beer at that point which i don't think is okay a problem these days that kind of sounds really. amazing to me well we're gonna go check it out today i'm very very excited about that you should also check out Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority Memorial Day weekend has arrived I know it's gonna be super rainy you're not necessarily gonna be enjoying it outside but you know you got a summer of trying to enjoy things outside from grilling hanging out the patio hanging out with neighbors playing with the kids make it easier on yourself contact pest authority mosquito authority uh they come out on a monthly basis for me to keep these mosquitoes at bay they do a wonderful job and again no contracts so you know you can you can check it out uh get some results and keep it moving or, you know, maybe not. But uh, no contracts with Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. I, I need to talk to my friend Hayes Lancaster about their logo because, yes, there's a mosquito in both of these things. But yeah. pest is the key word there. Mice yeah. in my attic, okay? <laughs> when I when we tell you that they cover everything, they cover everything. Mice in the attic. That's all I'm going to say to you. They, they, they have all this covered. I might need to get them a little Mickey Mouse there. Not Mickey, but, you know, another kind of mouse. Uh, bugsbite.com. Check them out on Twitter too. No mosquito NC. Old fashioned too, man. 919-807-1951. Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, Hayes is the best. Let's uh, close out today's show with some Hey Joe questions. You can find us on Twitter. Just use the Ooh, hashtag speaking of the Hey best. Joe. Woo. Brought to you by the Oakwood Pizza Box me in hungry. downtown Raleigh. Uh, yeah, it's only what nine thirty six right now, and I'm I'm definitely feeling like I'm I'm hungry. Both been up have... since whatever time. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, it's yeah. With kid kid school is almost done, but that doesn't stop me from getting up early. All right, from Seth Jarvis Stan. Hey Joe, the Canes are eliminated. When it's when is it socially acceptable to start flying my collegiate team flag for football season, or do I just go USA until? September. Yeah, man. Look, if you want to fly your your university flag right now, go ahead and do it, man. Nothing's stopping you. My dad, you know, you know, my dad's got a collection of flags for everything. He's flying a heat flag right now, a heat flag. Okay, respect. So he'll go heat they flag. Have a, and, I'm trying the to heat think. Have a great chance. Don't tell your dad this. Oh, okay. I have a ticket. 
Okay. Oh, I, I told the Garner okay. Gambling Group, so I'll tell everyone here. All right. I have a Nuggets ticket, which pretty much guarantees the Heat are going to win. And I have a Panthers <laughs> ticket. I have the I have the single dumbest Panthers ticket in the history of gambling, which mm. will guarantee that Vegas will win. Okay. Okay. So your my dad's dad will, in good shape. Don't my, let my your dad, mom or dad blame me for well, anything. Well, they're gonna now. watch the saying ticket. is at this point, my dad, my dad signed up for YouTube and now he leaves comments. So Okay. At this point, Iron at it. this point in the YouTube, he's going to leave a comment about how you've jinxed the heat. But I, but I didn't. Be, I have the. I nuggets. know you didn't. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. But I can't be mind, blamed for this one. In his mind, you just talking about the heat oh, means okay. that you've I jinxed him. Remember, I this is it. a man. This is a man who told me that the reason why there hadn't been a triple crown winner since 1979 is because I was born. born. Okay. Now I will say well, they this. Broke that though. <laughs> and I will say this, and Kelly is right about this, that my dad, you know, my, my dad has a tendency to like talk big and then not necessarily I mean, my dad ultimately is a very generous person and he's helped me out immensely. Yes. He's actually helped this entire endeavor. Okay. So big salute to my dad, all right. But my dad also has a way of jinxing himself because he said, Oh, I am absolutely gonna buy you Stanley Cup tickets. Jacob, we're going to buy him tickets for the Stanley Cup final when it's the Hurricanes versus the Kraken. How's that worked out, Joe? Mm. So yeah, it's not, not me? No, it's not just you. My dad has his own way of jinxing himself. All right, Eric Tulski from Paul gets a general manager job. Are the Canes in trouble? He wasn't the running. I think it was for Pittsburgh, right? I think it was for Pittsburgh. And ultimately, he did not. He was out of the running after that. And Tulski, if you're not familiar, he's he's um, he's not Don Waddell. He's 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 the general manager uh, in name, and Waddell makes a lot of decisions, obviously. But Tulski is like the analytics guy, and he's the one that's making the Canes like the whole market inefficiency thing work, right? And what do we know about Tom Dundon? He loves to make that market inefficiency work, and Tulski is a big part of that. He also doesn't overpay, so we'll see. No. Maybe, maybe there's a, a a decision there to be made. But no, I, I think the Hurricanes, um, you know, they've done a good job of of tweaking around their core. Again, my question will be next year: who ends up still being in that core? I think that's the big uh, decision that ends up ultimately they ultimately face. I, I think you got one more year together of what we think of as the Hurricanes. Uh, you know, uh, will Jesper Faust be back or does he find a little bit better deal yeah. somewhere else? That I don't know. I suspect Jordan Stahl will be back. Um, but, you know, the Canes are going to do what they do. And, and it's it's very difficult right, right now to argue with the results of how they've been able to build a consistent winner. Yeah. You know, now the question that, that faces them is this existential question of are, are our top players good enough to get us to the cup? Because now it's not just, hey, we've made really good decisions to become a consistent winning team. It's how do we win the cup? And what's crazy about that, and I was thinking about this last night, think about Florida, right? Last year they make this un- they made a, a seismic franchise-changing trade in the offseason under the premise of we're going to get the right player, we're going to get the right contract, we're going to be set up for the future, right? Or, or not, mm-hmm. just the, not just this season, but the near future. 
And they made a deal in the offseason, which is what the Canes have been saying. You make the big deals in the offseason. You don't make them at the deadline. So in a way, in a way, and it's ham-fisted, and I understand that, and you don't want to hear that this morning. In a way, Florida's offseason Kachuk deal validates the Canes concept of when you make moves, you make them in the offseason. Yeah. The problem is you can't predict the injuries. And that's, I think, ultimately what well, I, I know people hate it. It's the loser's lament. Oh, we were injured. Well, guess what? Uh, not having Svechnikov, not having Pacioretty was your hamstrung. Yeah, your hamstrung. Uh, it's just, and it's it's still, it's, it still makes it impre- to, it still makes it impressive that they even even and it does make here. it impressive. Maybe in a year where you wouldn't have been impressed, right? Oh, you have the second best record. You made the Eastern Conference Finals. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, actually, the way that it turned out, it does it does give them. Uh, it, it, I don't think there are as many questions about the team as certainly as there was last year, which, by the way, they were still in a honeymoon period last year because there's still no way they should have lost to the Rangers. From Alex, why? Just why? Well, because sports. That's why. Winning, winning is hard, y'all. <laughs> just, just, you know, only one team can do it. Only one can, team can do it. All you can really do is put yourself in the best position to give yourself a chance. And that's what the Canes have consistently been doing the last five years. Kelly pointed this out to me because she gets wrapped up in Kane's Twitter from time to time. And she's like, yeah, there's like this sentiment out there where, oh, you know, it was easier to kind of be how it was. What are you talking about? The last five years have been incredibly fun. You don't want to go back to how it was. You don't want to go 10 years without making the playoffs. Are you crazy? No, you want to be in here. You talk about loser's lament. The loser's lament isn't talking injuries, dude. Loser's lament is when you have a gut-wrenching loss like this, and your attitude is, eh, I'd rather not even. Like, come on. Right. The, it's come better on. to have loved and lost than not loved at all, for sure. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's like the, it's like the silliest sentiment that I've seen uh, that I've seen out there. From our, our guy, Woj. Hey, Joe, how long did Eddie Olchick and Ron Francis date? Aren't they still dating? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I've been hesitant to wade in. <laughs> I've been hesitant to wade into the TNT broadcast criticism. Last yeah. night was bad from the standpoint of, again, Slavin gets knocked out cold. And Kenny Albert, I don't know if he was, like, scared that Gary Bettman was going to come and choke him if he identified the, the, the injury Dude, as a concussion. TNT oh, was weird. Sh- they did not. They froze. They did not know what to do in that situation. They did not. And yeah. to your I, I point. Was weird. Yeah. And they never explained the penalty. Like they I'm still sitting here uh, going. Apparently, how is this did. the Canes penalty? Yeah, apparently they did at some point, but I, I completely missed it. And then, like with I, with Nason too, they never really explained why Nason didn't play. Like I had to shout out to Corey Lavalette, who pointed out, yeah, there was uh, he got a stick to the wrist or something like that early on in the in the first period. He only played for like the first five or six minutes, and then he wasn't on the bench. And then they announced, well, he's not coming back into the game. But they never really did a good job of explaining that either. So the whole thing was botched. But with Olchik, though, it's like there was a sequence there where Sebastian Ajo got back-to-back penalties. And Olchik's acting as though, like, Sebastian Ajo is this menace on the ice. That's not Sebastian Ajo's game, man. He's not, like, you know, a thug on skates. Like, why are you positioning it this way? It was the strangest thing. And the other thing, obviously, everyone was caught up in how much attention Kachuk got. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm really not trying to uh, mansplain TV coverage to you, but 
at the risk of doing it, let me let me go there for you. Because <laughs> we've talked about this in terms of hockey coverage. It's very weird to me. It's 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 all very granular and like none of it is big picture, which kind of sort of drives me crazy. Yeah. But it requires people to actually follow the sport on from a national perspective. And I realize that there aren't that many people out there that do that. And they're certainly not working for TNT. They're certainly not working for ESPN. And I'm watching, you know, who is actually really, really good, but they don't position him in a way that they should. And I, and I don't know about you, but part of it that bothers me is Wayne Gretzky. His analysis is unbelievable. Okay. It's great. It's great. And he had specifically talked about how to beat Bobrovsky. And what he had talked about, the Canes ended up doing, but Chatfield didn't finish the play, okay? Mm -hmm. But I'm sitting here going, oh, my God. Obviously, this guy was playing chess and everyone else was playing checkers. And it's difficult to put polish on what he's doing because he seems very disinterested in the whole presentation of it. But do you know what actually bothers me about the TNT studio? And I know I questioned Wayne Gretzky earlier in this program. He's Mm -hmm. Wayne Ethan Gretzky. Can you stop calling him Gretz? You will re- you will refer to him as either 99 because everyone knows who the hell 99 is, number right. one, or you will call him the freaking great one. Right. You don't get you're Anson Carter and 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 the other guys, and you're giving me Gretz. Hey, Gretz. Leo. <laughs> like, giving me, yeah, they're hey, in the Gretz. locker room. They're in the like locker you room. You guys are hanging out. They're hanging out. They're teammates. He is the freaking <laughs> great one. You, you can talk call him about Jesus on skates if you want. Spare me yeah. the hey Gretz. Gretz. Like, come on. It's funny he's not you mentioned one the of polish. The you you mentioned not. the polish. It, TNT's basically taking their NBA presentation and making it hot. Sure. And it and it tends to work. And Gretzky, it's it's not lost on me that Gretzky is sitting where Shaq sits. Okay. Yes. Because it's yeah. not like Shaq is giving you a lot of polish either. He's like, yeah, you know, I gotta say, like, I, I gotta, I gotta admit, you know, I, I, I didn't respect your game, but you know, you've changed my mind, you know, like that kind of stuff. But Shaq so stick too, but that's also right. being used to, to Shaq. And that's the thing that you're used to Shaq. I think people, knowledgeable, and I thought he had some. Great and I think that's points. what we're getting with it. Yeah, and, yeah, and they just couldn't quite make the the points click. The thing about Kachuk, though, and the thing about me, where I was mansplaining. Kachuk's dad is there. Kachuk's dad yeah. played in the league. He's got a brother. Yeah. The brother's there. These are simple storylines, paint by number storylines that anybody can tell and anybody can connect to. And that's where I think some of the, and also, by the way, as much as we've talked about Bob, like Kachuk scored like every time he shot the puck in the series. Like it was like yeah. ridiculous. So, <laughs> I mean, I hey, get it. I totally get that part. Hey, Joe from Serena, uh, what should I paint on the ice for the season ticket holder? Paint the ice event. An OG logo. O and G. Ovias and Julio. I don't know. Put a Let's Podcast in there, right? Is, is that too much to ask? You think that's too much to ask? Probably. Nah. Probably. I say you do it. All right. We'll, uh, we'll close on this. Probably the most important question uh, going into a Memorial Day weekend from Daniel. Anti-Ans or Cinnabon, Joe? Anti the oh, pretzel really joint to choose... or the Cinnabon point joint. Wait, do I really have to choose just one? You do have to choose just one. You can only hit the Gary Williams death rules. <laughs> you can only hit this place at the airport or a mall food court for the rest of your life. Is it Auntie Anne's and the pretzels 
or Cinnabon? Why are you asking me to choose between my two favorite food stuffs? Don't. I, I, well, I know you're like I mean, pretzels. I know. I was going to say pretzels. I did are not realize you're going to win. I didn't realize Cinnabon had a special place in your heart too. Oh my God, cinnamon rolls. Oh, God. see, oh. I go, I go. See, here's 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 my thought process on this. Cinnabon, you're getting one thing. You're getting the gigantic, right? Cinnamon roll, and that's going to oh. sit in your gut. For Again, I'm hungry. All right. Now nah, you pass out. <laughs> you might pass out. <laughs> uh, diabetes starts kicking in, right? Auntie Anne's, I feel, feel is more versatile because they have a variety of pretzels to choose from. It's not just a pretzel. There's the pretzel bites. There's various dipping sauces. They've got stuffed pretzels. And if you want something sweet, they do have like the cinnamon sugar covered pretzel stuff too. So Auntie Anne's, I feel like, has more dough variety than Cinnabon, and that's why I go Auntie Anne's. That's my analysis. You, that. you know how I feel about pretzels. So I, I I'm with you ultimately done to head. It is pretzels, but, man, don't tell the cinnamon people because cinnamon rolls are – Oh, phew. I'm all in on cinnamon rolls too. Don't get me wrong. Love me love me some cinnamon. I mean, just give me the icing. That's all I care about. Just give me a tub of the icing. Mm, and cream cheese icing, there. right? It's good. There, there's a reason. There's a reason why I'm busting out of my uh, Hartford. Wait, we agree on the cream cheese there. icing, right? Cream cheese yeah. is better than the sugar. Okay. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Make yeah. sure. Given the choice, I'm always going cream cheese. I'll go so okay. far to put cream cheese on a ribeye just to elevate the game. No, I'm kidding. No, you did not. <laughs> I mean, there are people who put mayonnaise on these steaks to cook them. So maybe cream cheese yeah. is something we can work with. I don't know. Anyway, that's gonna wrap it up for this week. I know if he's Angelio, thanks to everybody who has followed us on your favorite podcast platforms. Shout out to everybody who has subscribed to the YouTube channel. Hit the likes, leave the comments. All those things help us out in the long run. And most importantly, make sure that you do business oh. with the folks who are doing business with us. And don't forget, we're we're back on Tuesday. Holiday, Monday. We'll see you on Tuesday. And we are out at the UNC Health Championship on Monday. Uh, here we go again. We know y'all be listening. The OG back and better than it's ever been. Blast from the past. You know that our pace is fast. And if you want to sub, we got something for you to smash. Five stars with them positive vibes. Don't miss a beat week to week. You just got to subscribe. Even if your team's got you hella mad. Don't worry, we write our prescriptions on a yellow pad. So settle in, y'all. This is going to be fun. Because when it comes to hot takes, two is better than one. From beer to the Canes to the ACC. Who knows more about this than us, the OG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.